Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the No Spin News for Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. Stand up for your country. Now, I suggest uh, often that you watch this broadcast with a pen and paper, never more so than tonight. So I have some very, very important statistics for your life, because I know that people like you who are watching and listening to me are interested about your country. You discuss things with other people. Um, And I'm going to give you some facts tonight that you won't hear anywhere else. Um, And you need to have them because they they instantly put things into perspective because there's a false narrative going on. And I'm going to spend some time analyzing that. First, uh, President Biden's schedule today. He had one thing on the schedule at 1.15. He delivered remarks on COVID uh, to somebody. I'm not quite sure who, uh, but that's what he did. Um, he didn't go anywhere. He did that from the White House, and that's what he did all day. <laughs> this guy, it's just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm angry with the president, so I'm not going to you know, make light of it because I think he's harming the country. And I think I'll demonstrate that pretty clearly. So um, President Biden is the big loser in the whole Floyd thing, with the exception, of course, of the Floyd family and the victim himself. But but Biden and this will come become more apparent as we go on. All right. He did something yesterday that no other president has ever done in the history of this republic. Joe Biden trashed his country to the world. All right, here's what he said. It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the vice president just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. The knee on the neck of justice for black Americans profound fear and trauma, the pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. So he trashed the United States, told the whole world that we're a racist country, uh, systemic racism. That means that every part of American society has an element that persecutes African-Americans. That's what systemic racism means. Every part. Okay, now that's not true. But even further than that, he's the president of the country. He's trashing his own nation. So I asked my uh, researchers and they're the best. Find out if any president has ever done that. No. Barack Obama, after he left office, has made some nebulous, dubious statements. But never while he was serving in the White House did he do that. And of course, none of the others did. But Joe Biden stands up there and indicts all Americans. All right, all Caucasians, all non-blacks, and says, you're a problem. Never mind the 80,000 law enforcement agents in this country who risk their lives, and you know the cliche, okay? Now, there are some bad people. I must have heard the word bad apple on the media yesterday a thousand times, because these media people are basically parrots. 
They don't think. They're not thinkers. They're not looking for the truth. They bad apples. All right. As soon as I hear that, I know I'm listening to a moron. So what I'm going to tell you now is vitally important for you to understand. Number one, the reason that Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer, was convicted is because he displayed depraved indifference to George Floyd. And under Minnesota law, his, Chauvin's, depraved indifference, all right, fell into the second degree murder category and the third degree and the manslaughter. So that's why he's convicted. The jury did the right thing. Now, we'll get to the jury in a moment. Now, there's no question the mob on the left and the inciters and the haters put pressure on the case to convict. Nobody in that crew was looking for anything other than an execution. I mean, if they could, as I said, they would have killed Derek Chauvin. So when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get up there and they say to the world, America is really a horrible place and has always been horrible. Our Constitution, our founding fathers, our freedoms are all based on racism. That's what they're saying. A lot of people believe it. And many millions of African-Americans believe it, particularly children, younger people. They believe it because it's easy to believe it. It's much harder to say, ah, Now, there are a few African-Americans that are speaking out against this false narrative, and that's what it is. But here's the real tipping point, so you all understand how serious this is. You have a half dozen media companies with billions of dollars and access to you through the television set that have picked up on this fallacious narrative and are ramming it down our throats every single day. AT&T, CNN, Comcast, NBC, Disney, ABC, the CBS people. These are billion dollar companies with enormous power. They are all actively pushing the narrative that America is a racist country. I talk about this with Sean Hannity on his radio program today. It's accessed on BillOReilly.com. You can listen to it, and I hope you do. Okay, so I say it's a false narrative. So your question should be, well, back it up, O'Reilly, you big mouth. Back it up. Here we go. The one agency that compiles police shooting data in this country is the Washington Post, an extremely liberal newspaper. They have a database that they add to every time there's a police shooting. Okay. According to the Washington Post database, in 2019, there were 26 white people shot by police who were unarmed. Now, they may have had a knife or they may have had a baseball bat, but they didn't have a weapon. 26 white people in 2019. 12 black people. 12. 
last year, 2020, 24 white people unarmed shot by police, 18 black people. Total in two years, 50 whites, 30 blacks. That sound like an epidemic to you? There are 80,000 law enforcement officers. Violent crime in this country is through the roof. Murders in our major urban centers are staggering. Drug trafficking, never seen this kind of drug trafficking before, anywhere. You got 80 people in two years, most of them white, in those two categories. I'm sure there were, I don't think there were any Asians, but there were some Hispanics. All right, so that's not an epidemic. It's not systemic racism. That's the truth. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you hear that statistic reported anywhere? Did you read it anywhere? If you did, please let me know. Because I haven't, and my whole life is monitoring what's happening in this country. Do you think Joe Biden and Kamala Harris know that stat? Do you think they care about that stat? They don't. Because as long as they can weave a narrative backed up by the corporate media that says we Democrats, we liberals, we progressives are going to confront and solve systemic racism, they're going to have a good shot of power. And that's what this is all about. Now, Hannity did something interesting. He said, well, in Joe Biden's uh, career, he's been exactly the opposite of this. He's been a tough guy against African-American crime in his senatorial past. And I said to Sean, with all due respect, I don't care about that. Maybe he's evolved. Maybe he's woke. I don't care. I care about what he did to America yesterday. He hurt this country. He hurt me. He hurt my family. I don't want my children thinking they're racist. Do you want your children thinking they're racist if you're white? Do you want the president of the United States putting that out? I don't. I have no respect for Joe Biden. Yesterday was it. All right. Three more officers will be tried in Minneapolis. They are Alexander Kang, Totau, Thomas Lane. They were all on the scene uh, with the Floyd murder. You can call it that now. And they are charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder. They will be tried on August 23rd together. Maxine Waters. Okay. So yesterday there was a vote in the House of Representatives, all right, to hold her responsible by censure. That is a scolding that goes in the record. Why? Because a congresswoman traveled to Minnesota before the verdict was in and condoned past violence. Roll the tape. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, th- they know that we mean business. 
All right. The judge, as you know, scolded her, said that might be the basis of a mistrial. There will be an appeal. I'm sure the congresswoman will be mentioned in the appeal. All right. To me, the appeal will fail because the evidence is overwhelming. To me, that's my opinion. Okay. So a congresswoman named Lisa McLean from Michigan was very eloquent in summing up what Ms. Waters did. Go. Today I rise because of the double standards in this chamber. Once again this weekend, we saw a member of the majority openly call for more confrontation in a Minneapolis suburb. That very night, there was a drive-by shooting that, the, that in that community where police and the National Guardsmen were targeted. If this were reversed, if this was said by a Republican, you know, Mrs. Madam Speaker, that the majority in this chamber would move to strip that representative of their, of their committees and possibly move to expel them from Congress. Absolutely true. So there was a vote on Maxine Waters in the House, 216 to 210 not to censure her. All Democrats voted not to. All Republicans voted to censure. In two years, I believe the Republicans will take back the House. And if this doesn't send the message, nothing will. Now, on the right. So uh, some conservatives, not many, but some, um, said the jury verdict was flawed because the jury was afraid to acquit Derek Chauvin. Roll tape. I think the jury was intimidated. You had a United States Congresswoman come to Minnesota and basically threaten that there would be more confrontation if the jury did not deliver the verdict she wanted, which was guilty. That, that is intimidation. Okay, so the evidence in this case, as I stated, was so overwhelming. And the statute of second degree murder in Minnesota so specific. And the depraved indifference on the part of Chauvin so apparent that there isn't a jury in the world that would have acquitted a fair jury. So you can say intimidation. Yeah. There was mob intimidation in this case from the very beginning. The case should have been moved out of Minnesota. I agree with that. All right. The jury should have been sequestered. I agree with that. But again, with that tape and with the testimony of all of the law enforcement people saying that Chauvin violated every procedure, there's no way a jury could have acquitted, in my opinion. Now, to get out in front of this whole situation, um, Florida has passed an anti-riot bill. This is interesting. This happened on Monday, all right, and the governor, DeSantis, has signed it into law. Here are the three things that Florida's new anti-riot law says. Very important. Number one, the new legislation makes it a felony to cause more than $200 in damage to public memorials or historic property. So vandalism of any kind is now a felony. Number two, makes Aggravated rioting, a felony, punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Aggravated rioting is looting, is throwing objects at police, hurting civilians, of course, arson, all of that. And the third thing is the law creates a broad category for misdemeanor arrests during protests. 
anyone charged under that provision will be denied bail until their first court appearance. So that means if police grab a protester, take them in and book them, they don't get out for a while. That's the Florida law. Now, the ACLU and others will challenge the law. There's no doubt they will. But you can see what's happening in this country. While states like Oregon and New York and California allow anything to happen, conservative states like Florida are saying it's not going to happen here. Now, obviously, I come down on the side of Florida. You have to have social order. You have to protect the public and the police from these anarchists who would hurt them, kill them. You can't have looting. Now, if Derek Chauvin had been acquitted, you would have had looting all over the country. Everybody knows that. But again, that's not the reason that he was convicted. Let's bring in a very smart guy. Joseph Tully is a criminal defense attorney in San Francisco. He knows what's going on in that ultra-liberal city. So, uh, I gave my opinion of the trial. What is your assessment of what happened to Derek Chauvin? Okay, so the, it's obviously a big day uh, in, in American law and a big day for America, as you pointed out. And what lawyers do is the, the closest thing is surgery. So just how surgeons don't throw up the side of blood or faint, lawyers uh, approach a situation and instantly start to unravel and untangle it. So in terms of what happened, um, what a lot of people don't know about homicide law is that it is whatever a jury says it is. The laws are vague enough where uh, any situation can be a first degree murder. It could be second degree. In Minnesota, they have a third degree murder. It could be voluntary or involuntary homicide. And here, the jury uh, convicted on second degree murder, third degree murder, and uh, second degree voluntary manslaughter. So, um, He's facing 40 years in prison, and in terms of the uh, depraved uh, mind that you that you were talking about, that goes towards the third-degree murder. But for the second-degree unintentional, uh, the jury had to find that uh, Mr. Chauvin caused the death of a human being, which you check that box as a lawyer, cold, hard, analytically, without intent to affect the death of any person, check that box while committing or attempting to commit a felony offense. And there the prosecution had to argue that Chauvin's conduct was uh, excessive force or outside the realm of acceptable police conduct. Yeah, and then they brought in people conduct. to back that up. Now, do you personally have mm -hmm. any problem with that conviction? I don't have any problem with okay, that conviction. Okay, let me stop you. Like I said, I got, I got yes. a bunch of questions. I don't want to get a lot of legal uh, legalese here. I know how you guys are. All right. All right. So you didn't have any problem with the conviction. You paid attention to the testimony. You saw what happened. But without a doubt, the jury saw that the National Guard was ringing the courthouse, that there were people chanting outside because they went home every night. That doesn't yes. seem fair, does it? It does not seem fair. The jury should have been sequestered and... Um they should have been kept from outside okay. exposure. So that, However, my, we, we had last summer. Right. That's right. If, if you're, but again, if it were a close call, I think that would be much more important. But it wasn't a close call, in my opinion and your opinion. Now, I said that Chauvin should have taken a stand 
That's the only chance he had. His attorneys had to know that the evidence against him was overwhelming. He had to look the jury in the eye and explain why he did what he did. Am I wrong? You're correct. However, a lot of defense attorneys have uniform rules where they will not put their client on the stand. I don't know. Well, isn't that, that guy rule, in but... charge of his own life? He hired those people. Now he's going to go away for a long, long period of time. His whole life is ruined. If it's me, I'm fighting for my life. Correct. Uh, however, testifying in court is very, very tricky. But here, um, I think it's is, trickier is going to the officer. penitentiary for 15 years. All right. I mean, I think that was a, just a huge mistake. Now, um, I want to get into these mass shootings. We had one on Long Island yesterday. Some idiot walked into a grocery store, killed a guy, and wounded two others. And every day, it seems we had another mass shooting. But the stats, again, um, the FBI says that a mass shooting is at least four people killed. But there are a lot of shootings that fall under that. Do you, as an intelligent observer of this country, do you think that these shootings are becoming more commonplace or have we always had this problem and it's now being publicized more? I think that the shootings are, they're increasing over time. However, um, they're, they're put forth in the media at convenient times. I've right, noticed that. But, but Any do we have a problem? Do we have a problem? I think that most of these people want to commit suicide and they don't want to go alone. All right. They want to take out as many people as they can, mm -hmm. but they don't care whether they die or not. That's how I see it. Um, but it just seems like every day there's another one of these things. And of course, the Bidens of the world go back into the gun control. And that's what their solution is. Of course, that's not a solution, but that's the political angle of it. But in your opinion, as a criminal offense attorney, is there more? Are there more people willing to kill other people on a mass level than there used to be? There's not a big spike. If you look at the statistics uh, on by any metric, by any organization that keeps statistics, there's nothing about 2019 or 2020 or 2021 where we're seeing this massive spike uh, yeah. increases That's in That's what deaths. I have here. Um, the stats are all over the place, and I, I don't want to confuse people. Counselor, thanks very much for helping us out. We appreciate it. Yes, uh, always good to see you. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Uh, let's go to the border. Um, again, stats. Here we go. So um, unaccompanied minors have jumped 800 percent in two months. 800 percent in two months. Um, this is from Border Patrol and a whole bunch of people are studying it now. Um, 
about 275 kids a day are turning themselves into Border Patrol. And the Border Patrol predicts it'll be 26,000 a month by summer. This is Joe Biden. It's his policy. It wasn't happening in the last six months of Donald Trump when they finally got the situation under control. All right, so you should know that. In Houston, they put a bunch of girls, teenage girls, together in an emergency shelter, all right, under the Department of Health and Human Services. Well, last Friday, without explanation, they shut the shelter down, all right? 450 girls moved out in a couple of hours. They won't tell anybody why. We have tried for days to find out. All we know is that somebody died, an adult died in the facility. Now, out of the 450 girls, 130 have what they call sponsors. That means that somebody knows them in America. They're going there. But the other um, 320 have to be moved. God knows where they're going to be moved. So now we're going to have 26 to 30,000 a month. You can see what a humanitarian disaster this is. Arizona declares a state of emergency at the border. Governor Doug Ducey moving 250 National Guard down there. He says his state is overrun. Cochise, Pima, Santa Cruz, and Yuma counties can't handle it. Joe Biden. So I think it's clear that what I said earlier this week, that Biden is the most radical left president in history. And I'm just going to run it down for you. Green New Deal, he's all in. Green New Deal, Joe Biden, he'll spend trillions if he has to. Packing the Supreme Court, he wants to study it. All right. He said he was against it. Now he's going to study it. Statehood for D.C., clearly unconstitutional. Biden's for it. All right. Massive spending. We're up to six trillion in proposed spending under him. All right. Big taxation. Where do you see this coming? And that will wreck the economy. Legalized marijuana. Eh, Joe, you know, fine. Fine. Schumer's pushing that yesterday. Let's do that. Condemning Georgia voting law, even though the Georgia voting law did nothing wrong but tighten up and try to eliminate fraud, Biden called it Jim Crow. There is no question the most radical left president in history. Now, there's going to be a virtual climate summit tomorrow. That'll be a thriller. But she from China says, I'm going to be in on that summit. All right. Why tomorrow? Because it's Earth Day. I love the earth, the oceans. I am a big environmental guy. I yelled at a guy the other day who threw garbage out his window, his car window, onto the street. I yelled at him, all six foot four of me. And I didn't make him, but I suggested he get out of his car and pick it up, which he did. I am a clean planet guy. Green New Deal, that's a big political thing, all right? So anyway, summit tomorrow. If anything happens, I'll tell you. I don't expect anything to happen. So the, uh, we use the Media Research Center data. It seems to be pretty accurate. It's a conservative group. They studied ABC, CBS, and NBC evening news, all right, to see how they're uh, covering Biden. Well, 79%, no, 59%, got to be accurate, 59%. Of all the reports on the three network news broadcasts are positive. 
this time in the Trump administration, 89% were negative. Do you need to know any more? <laughs> Everybody knows a fix is in. I just want to continue to give you data in case one of your pinheaded liberal friends or family members go, oh, the media is not slanted. Uh-huh. Okay. Cancel culture. Simon & Schuster, the world's largest publisher, um, is putting out Mike Pence's book. Oh, the snowflakes in uh, Simon & Schuster don't like that. They got a petition because Mike Pence's book might make them frightened and they need a safe space at Simon & Schuster if it actually was published. So they try to get the book killed. A sitting vice president try to get the book killed. And they use the LBGT thing because Pence is a traditional guy, uh, a religious guy. They use that. But to Simon & Schuster's credit, they're going to publish the book. But the cancel culture never stops. Never stops. All right, what are the snobbiest states in the union? <laughs> this, this is so stupid, I can't believe it, but I have to report it. Okay, so the uh, website that did this is Zipia, Z-I-P-P-I-A. I don't know what that is because I don't live in the cyber world. So they compiled um, the snobbiest and the least snobbiest states in the union. Let's put the five snobbiest states on the screen here. Massachusetts leads the league. Adults with college diploma, 43%. Um, degree holders with arts or humanities, 24%. Wine bottles per person, 21%. I love that. Wine bottles per person in Massachusetts. They're all blasted up there. Now, I lived in Massachusetts for many years. It's a great place. I know it's crazy politically, but boy, I enjoyed my time there. Vermont, second snobbiest states, 37% of college diplomas, wine bottles per person, 26%, more than Massachusetts. So they're getting stoned out of their minds on wine in Vermont. Connecticut, third, 39% college diploma, 20% wine per person. New York is next, 35% college diploma, 17 wine bottles per person. New Hampshire, 36% college diploma, 28 bottles of wine per person in New Hampshire. Cold up there. Now, here are the least snobbiest states. West Virginia, the least snobbiest state. Country roads, take me home. 20% college diploma, three wine bottles per person. Mississippi, 21 college diploma, five wine bottles. Oklahoma, 25% college diploma, six wine bottles. Arkansas, 22 Seven wine bottles, Alabama, 24, eight wine bottles. So not a lot of drinking down south, a lot of wine. They're drinking beer, maybe whiskey. This day in history, April 21st, 2016, Prince died at 57 years old from an overdose of fentanyl. All right, you remember that five years ago today. So Prince, um, I don't know. I met him once. I'm 6'4", he's 5'2", or was 5'2". So it was like one of these. Uh, I, he did the best Super Bowl performance I ever saw at halftime. Why the guy was taking fentanyl at age 57? No idea. But as you know, this is not unusual. The following are... Rockers who OD'd and singers who OD'd, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, 
uh, John Entwistle, Keith Moon, Tom Petty, Elvis, Billie Holiday, and Bobby Hatfield, uh, the second half of the Righteous Brothers. And there are many, many more, but they all died because it's accepted. Hard drug use is accepted in the music industry, all right? And, uh, you know, I'm saying to myself, fentanyl, you know? If you take fentanyl, that's like doing the Russian roulette with a revolver. You're doing the same thing. So Prince died five years ago today. Got a good mail segment, very, you know, lively, controversial, and then a, uh, a final thought that uh, I think you're going to want to hear. Right back. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, let's go to the mail. Joyce on the message board. Now, if you have something you want to tell us, go to BillOReilly.com and just post it on the message board, okay? And everybody discusses it. It's a lot of fun. So Joyce says, I question if the jury in the Chauvin trial was impartial uh, given the outside influences. It's more than likely that the riots, negative media, political interference had an impact on the decisions. The verdict may have been the same, Joyce says, if these pressures did not exist, but they did exist. Well, you're right. There was pressure on that jury. But again, we live in a free society. I think the judge could have done a better job, although he handled himself well, in my opinion. But I think the verdict was fair. Al Deason, Navarre, Florida. The verdict in the George Floyd case was exactly what I expected. I think the jurors were afraid for their lives. They were never going to vote not guilty. Now, you are guessing. You're guessing, Al. You don't know that. You're guessing. Wayne, concierge member, which means Wayne has direct access. To me, I'm deeply critical of the decision not to grant the change of venue and not to sequester the jury. I think both of those factored in the outcome. I think you're right on the first part of your letter, Wayne. The outcome, I think, was obvious. Obvious. Norman, Bill, agree with you. Derek Chauvin should have taken a stand. Think defense attorney asking judge to move the trial from Minneapolis should have been done, as we saw how the city was destroyed. And so did the jury. The jury knew about the volatility of this case. And again, if the case had been close, then we'd have all kinds of problems here. But it wasn't. Beverly Baldzell, Portland, Oregon. I'm sorry, Beverly. You know, I I love my time in Portland. It's such a nice town. 
If you get a chance, go up to the Japanese gardens just north of town. I mean, it's stunning. But that city is destroyed, absolutely destroyed by the poor leadership. And, and how anybody in Multnomah County could not be outraged, I, I, I just don't know. If I were still anchoring the news out there, I'd be pounding. They probably would have fired me by now. But I'd be leaving demonstrations against these Antifa people. All right, Beverly says most killings would stop if people would listen to the police and obey their commands. Two things. From the dawn of civilization, people have defied authority, Beverly. It's never going to stop. And in many, many arrest situations, the perpetrator, the person to be arrested, is intoxicated, out of their mind. Keep that in play. And George Floyd, we know, heavy drugs, including fentanyl in a system. Richard Emicky, Syracuse, New York, with the Derek Chauvin trial outcome and the racial tensions running high. What are your thoughts about President Biden appointing a commission headed by former Presidents Obama and Bush. Do we really need, Richard, another commission? All right, sanctioned by an uh, administration that's blatantly dishonest? Waste of time. Georgia, can you look for all of us, Bill, and tell us who ordered the voting machines to stop counting the ballots in the middle of the night? I cannot. The only organization that could do that would be the FBI, because you would need subpoena power. You would need expertise in breaking the machines down. You would have to put the people under oath when questioned. So if they lied, they could be charged. I can't find out anything. I can't do uh, forensics on those machines. Only the Justice Department could do that. Jennifer Thiel, Boise, Idaho. Bill, I've watched your news programs for more than 20 years. Your final note on happiness, climbing out of difficult circumstances in life through education, honing in on your God-given talent, was one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard. As a teacher who has devoted myself to helping students break the poverty cycle by showing them how to become successful learners, your message touched me, and I appreciate all you do to promote education for impoverished children. Well, first of all, Jennifer, you are a patriot for devoting your life to helping impoverished children. That's number one. Number two, my message yesterday, message of the day, and I hope you all see it if you missed it, you know, if you're premium or concierge members, you access us anytime. You can watch five times. You can get different segments. You can do whatever you want. That's the beauty of it. But I firmly believe that everyone in this country can succeed. It's not easy. And if you're black, it's harder. If you're Hispanic, it's a little easier than black, but harder than white, but you all can. And that's the beauty of our Constitution, the way the founders set it up. Casey Clay, Olathe, Kansas. Mr. O, the excerpt from Killing the Mob was like taking one bite of pizza and then having to wait for the rest. As I have read all the Killing books, boldly written in the present tense, I find myself removed from the 21st century and transported to the book's setting. Can hardly wait for Mob to be released. Less than two weeks, but here it is. If you have pre-ordered Killing the Mob from us, BillOReilly.com, or if you do, we'll start shipping the book to you on Sunday. So let's get on it, people. You're going to love this book. 
the 10th in the Killing Book series, the most successful nonfiction book series of all time. Okay, so um, go into BillOReilly.com, get your mom and dad a premium or concierge membership for Mother's Day and Father's Day. You get a free copy of Killing the Mob or any of my other books. This is a win across the board. Mom and dad will love those premium memberships. It's a fabulous gift that is, you know, we have health now, we have finance now, we're helping you, we're trying, okay? So that's all at BillOReilly.com. Word of the day, do not be jejune when writing to us, J-E-J-U-N-E. Final thought in a moment. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Okay, so here is the final thought of the day. As I told you earlier this week, I'm not in this for myself because I have enough money and I can take care of all of my family and I can live out my life in a good way. I have a lot of options because I've worked very hard for 47 years and I saved and I invested wisely. All right. So I'm doing this to try to help other people. Now, some of you are not going to buy that. I know. You know, ah, yes. Okay. But that's why I'm doing it. All right. And I'm trying to layer in to our no spin news here um, things that will help you out, like cut down on your sugar. Like, here's a financial newsletter that I buy and that has done me well. Those kinds of things. So our retention rate on premium and concierge members is 85%. That means that 85% of those who subscribe renew. We keep the price as low as we can because we got people to pay. Got a business to run. Okay. But 85% is unheard of. It's unheard of. So that tells you something when you give your premium membership to mother and father, all right, or grandma, granddad, whatever it may be. This is not only an honest news service that provides you with information you will not get anywhere else. You know the corruption of the corporate media. I don't have to you know, convince you of that. I back it up every day, but I, you know, we don't have that here. There's no corporation. It's me. Okay? But I want to thank everybody. That's the final thought here. I'm very grateful that we have hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions now, because we're on the radio and we're with the first, and maybe millions every night. We're very grateful for that because we're a small operation. We're not AT&T or Disney or Fox. We're, we're not like that. We do it on our own. I'm proud of it, and I am very flattered that we have an 85% retention rate. We'll see you tomorrow.